Uh, I'm going to be I'm going to be upfront right from the beginning of this message that I have an agenda today. I have a goal today. Um, my agenda is uh, and through our time together, through what God is doing and His Spirit moving. My agenda would be for you to sponsor a Compassion Kid today. So right from the beginning, I want you to know that that's what that's what today is about. And so at any time during today's service, um, you can you can do that. Um, if you're here on site with us, you can head back through the back doors. The Compassion Table is right outside the doors, and you can choose a child to sponsor. Uh, for $38 a month, here's what you'll be doing. You'll be providing for a, a child who is in poverty. You'll be providing for education, access to health care, social, emotional support, developmental support, and most of all, you'll be connecting them to a local church who can share the love of Jesus uh, with them. And so I'm going to be back there after the service if you've got questions or you want to talk to me about that or anything else. But I would encourage you to do that. And if you're online, we love you too. We don't want you to feel left out. Uh, and so if you're watching online, you can go. There's a dedicated web link just for Hope Community that you can click on and you can sponsor a kid there. So on Facebook and YouTube, that link is in the description of this video. Uh, if you are on our church online platform, you can go to the notes section and you'll find that link there as well. Uh, and so, man, that's the agenda for today. That's what we're talking about. Some of you may be familiar with Compassion International and the work that they do. Others of you may not be. So I want to take a minute and just introduce them to you. Uh, you're going to hear this. You're going to see this all over the place, that they are all about releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. Uh, that children in poverty is, is a huge issue that is plaguing our world. There are so many kids living in poverty and the, experiencing the effects of that, but they don't just do it as like swooping in and saying, okay, we're here to rescue you or we're here to, here's, you know, here we're meeting your needs and you know, here's some food, here's some money, and then we're out of here. Compassion does it through the local church. The churches and the people that are on the ground in the, the countries, the cities, the villages, and the communities where these kids live, the people that are gonna be with them day in and day out throughout their life to journey with them and care for the whole person and so to get things started today I would love for us to just check out this video so you can be introduced to the work that Compassion International does. Compassion International is working around the world to release children from poverty in Jesus name but how exactly does it work? Well come along with me and I will show you. To begin with we love Jesus we love the church and we love children. Everything we do flows from there. Compassion builds relationships with churches who are already ministering to families living in poverty. The staff and volunteers at these churches know the needs in their community because they live there too. They see what children in their neighborhoods are facing and they want to make a difference, just like you and I. Compassion staff get to know these churches we sit down with them to understand their vision, talk about the ways we can work together, and see how compassion can come alongside them and complement what they are already doing. We offer training, financial resources, and curriculum to help expand and deepen their impact in the community. Partnership means there is collaboration. Churches receive the curriculum and adapt it to fit their context, accounting for local needs. These partner churches reach out to families in their communities, inviting children to be part of what we call a child development center. Each church chooses a project director who is responsible for planning and overseeing a team of helpers who implement every part of the program. They are committed to helping children develop holistically as God intended. Thank you. 
So activities at the center are designed to encourage physical, mental, social, emotional, and spiritual growth. The program is integrated, meaning the church receives support to walk with children as they grow. Many of these churches start at the earliest stages of development, coming alongside pregnant moms to help them have a healthy pregnancy and delivery. Staff from the center visit new moms and caregivers in their homes to answer questions and offer ideas to help them and their babies thrive. Home visits continue as infants grow into toddlers. As children get older, they attend activities at the Child Development Center. Staff and tutors there lead children through lessons and activities that help them grow holistically. They get to know children personally, help them through challenges at school and at home. As children grow into adolescence and youth, they learn skills that will help them be successful in life, like time management, how to have healthy relationships, and vocational skills. Churches also support parents and caregivers to improve stability at home. They may offer classes that promote literacy, healthy discipline, and skills to earn an income. Churches also identify specific problems that are hindering child development and work with compassion on solutions, like sourcing clean water, providing mosquito nets, vaccines, building latrines, and constructing classrooms at the church. When children in the program face urgent medical needs or their communities are affected by disaster, the church responds. During the 2020 COVID-19 pandemic, church partners around the world delivered food to the families who could not work during the quarantine. Compassion provides encouragement and financial support so our church partners can be salt and light during these critical times. Interventions like these, and in fact, all community activities vary from church to church because children face unique challenges in each community. Over time, as each partnership grows, churches are encouraged to explore local resources and begin developing a plan for self-sufficiency. The beautiful thing about partnering with the local church is that they have roots in their community. When challenges arise, like a disaster or health crisis, the church is already there, identifying needs and working to bring relief, recovery, and healing all while carrying the greatest message of eternal hope in Jesus. Throughout this journey, Compassion invites supporters to connect with what these churches are doing by investing in children's holistic development, financially and relationally. Together, we are a team that surrounds these children and youth. Every voice that speaks value into their lives matters. The church is vital. They are the heart of the community and messengers of the gospel. Compassion partners with more than 8,000 churches worldwide. Our missions intersect by God's design. He invites and empowers each of us to play a role. So what is your role? We invite you to join these churches as they help children become all that God created them to be. Thank you so much for coming to see our project. God bless you all. You guys, that, that, that is the church. 
That's what the church is. You know, we, we just got done with this series called Aftermath, and we, we looked at what happened in the aftermath of the resurrection the, as the Jesus movement, the church began, and it, it literally, it changed the world, and the thing that made it so attractive, the, the thing that changed that world and turned the world upside down was, the, was that new covenant command kind of ethic. The ethic that drove the church was we're gonna love people the way that, that Jesus has loved us and so they would take in kids and, and look after the sick and, and feed those who had no food. I mean, th- this is what it made the church explode and change the world and it's still what changes the world today. Uh, is that kind of self-sacrificial, Jesus-centered love, the church in action. We're excited to partner with Compassion to do that. And this is our first Compassion Sunday, um, but we're, we're hoping it's the beginning of a long partnership with them because we love what they do. Uh, and some of you may actually be comp- connected with Compassion already. Uh, maybe you, you sponsor a kid or, or you've worked through them before. And so while this is our first time as a church coming alongside Compassion, you may have prior experience. Uh, my wife Christy and I, we have experience with Compassion Um, We have uh, been partnering with Compassion for about 10 years now. We have two Compassion kids that we sponsor who we consider to be a part of our family. Um, Our our first one, uh, our little girl here named Adriana. Uh, Adriana is from Guatemala. She is five years old. Uh, We've been sponsoring her for about a year now. And so last year we started sponsoring Adriana. Uh, Love her, love the pigtails. Like they're just absolutely adorable. Uh, We picked Adriana because she's only a few months younger than Braxton. Uh, And we thought, man, it'd be really cool if uh, they could kind of grow up together and we could see the two of them growing together and, and writing back and forth and doing those things. Uh, so that happened last year, but 10 years ago, uh, we became the, the sponsors for Johannes. Uh, he's 14 now. He lives in Indonesia. Uh, and so this 10-year journey of seeing him grow and develop and, and seeing what God has done, he's been our sponsor kid, it's hard to believe, for 10 years, all the way back in 2011. And um, I don't know about you, but when I was feeling 22, the, the thing that, uh, somebody got that, I heard chuckles, um, I, you know, sponsoring a kid on the other side of the world was not on the top of my to-do list of things that as a 22-year-old, I'm like, hey, yeah, this, is, this sounds cool, this sounds good. I mean, Christy and I were 22, we've been married for just over a year, uh, we had no kids of our own, we had no plan, and we had no money, okay, um, and committing to $38 a month for like the next 16 years of this kid's life was like, well, that, that, that just seems seems absolutely crazy. We didn't have 30 extra, 38 extra cents a month, let alone $38. I mean, uh, we had a mortgage. We had student loans. Uh, I was a newly self-employed business-owning landscaper, and Christy was a part-time cashier at Kishman's at the time as she went through college. Um, and it, we had we, a lot of ramen noodles, and we had roommates to, you know, to make things, to kind of make ends meet. And so this was not something that was on our radar. And I don't say that to be like, hey, look what we did, because if it was what we had wanted to do uh, in our own power, in our own wisdom of, hey, here's what makes sense, here's the smart thing to do. It would be, hey, don't do this. But God had other plans, and, and, and man, he, he worked in us, the, the spirit was, was moving and working, and we knew, hey, we, we've got to do this. Um, we were at uh, just a, a church event, and there was a compassion table at the back, and we're like, okay, let's do it. And we, let me just say, we are so, so incredibly grateful that we had an opportunity to do that. Like I said, Johannes, we, we've been his sponsor parents for, for um, a, a 10 years, a decade. It's, it's crazy to think. And, and the joy of seeing him grow and develop, both physically, I mean, I can't really tell. There's nothing to compare it to, but he seems really tall. And he was a four-year-old when we first met him. And uh, seeing him grow physically and emotionally and, and mentally and spiritually and just seeing him tangibly experience the love of Jesus in his life and knowing we got to be a small part of that. Um, 
I mean, I, I know it's, it's helpful to the kids, but, but for Christy and I and, and others with the same experience, God does just as much in us as he does through us. Uh, and the, just the joy and the hope and the life that we have received as he writes to us and he asks how I'm doing and he asks how Christy's doing, how's Braxton, how's Paisley, and we, we celebrate birthdays and Christmas and all of these things. It's just like, God, I can't believe you're doing this. And so we've got that kind of personal connection with compassion, but maybe you're asking, okay, that, that's cool for you, that's great, but why? Why be personally invested in this? Why are you asking me to make a personal commitment to this? Why as a church are we taking a Sunday to saying we are completely focused on the work that Compassion International is doing? For two reasons, really. Because the need is great and the call is ours. The, the need is huge, but the call, it, it belongs to us. It belongs to the church, to the people of Jesus. The need is absolutely massive. You know, sometimes we are so insulated. You know, we get lost in our own little worlds and we forget about the bigger picture of what the rest of the world looks like. We, we get so focused on my world that I don't see the world. And, and, and this is not to make light of, of anybody else's situation because I know that we've all been through difficult circumstances. Some of you, I know your stories, you've been through incredibly difficult circumstances and it's not to take anything away from that but to just gain perspective Man, the worst day of our lives would probably be paradise for many people around the world. And, and we just, sometimes we just, we get, we get lost in the day-to-day of what has to be done, and we got to go to work, and we got to take care of the families, and, and we just lose sight of what is going on. I can remember um, several years ago now, uh, Pastor Paul and I had the opportunity to go to Panama on a mission trip with our, uh, our kind of coffee partners, Phoenix Roasters. They do missional coffee farming, and we went to go and stay with one of the, the, the farm, like one of the families, and uh, got to meet the, the family. We got to meet the indigenous workers and just uh, what, what it's like to live in a different country um, and what the indigenous people and the workers, their living conditions and what quality of life is, and I was just blown away, and the thought was this is a completely different world than I live in. And some of you have had a similar experience. If you've ever maybe been on a missions trip or if you've ever just been out of the country to a place that wasn't a modern Western nation and you've seen, it's like, whoa, most of the world doesn't live like, like I do. And so some of you have that perspective, others don't, but I want us to, to start our time a little bit just by getting a, a, a picture of the perspective of how big the need is to understand of, of what we're called to. So about 9% of the world's population lives on less than a dollar and 90 cents a day. Um, that doesn't sound like that many people, 9%, but that's 700 million people worldwide. About one in every 10 people on this planet are living on less than a dollar 90 a day. That's the number that's set by the World Bank to, to mark extreme poverty. Um, that doesn't include everybody else who like, is, there's still a lot of other kinds of poverty and people who are in need, but extreme, the worst poverty, one in every 10 people, $1.90 a day. If you do, uh, do the math on that, that ends up being $693.50 a year. About 700 bucks a year. And again, not to make light of, of our circumstances, but man, so for, so for many of us, if not most of us, $700 a year, we, we live on more than $700 a week. $700 a year is, is crazy. It's estimated that 821 million people worldwide are undernourished. 2.1 billion people globally don't have access to safe water at home. And, and poverty is not just a, a matter of not having needs met, of like, oh, hey, you know, it's just you don't have food or you don't have shelter, you don't have clothes. It actually, it becomes a multiplier that makes difficult situations even worse. When, when disaster strikes, when there's sickness, when there's natural disaster, when war breaks out, poverty uh, amplifies that and makes it so much worse. 
Way back in 2004, if you can remember that long ago, it seems like a long time ago. Um, man, I was in high school in 2004. I'm getting old. <laughs> and some of you are like, you be quiet. Um, but way back in 2004, um, the Indian Ocean, there was a tsunami. And it killed 230,000 people. All of them were in poor countries, like Indonesia, Sri Lanka, Thailand, and India. It was 2004, 230,000 people died. In 2011, a similar-sized tsunami hit Japan a much higher income nation. Its waves were 30 feet taller and it only killed 19,000 people. The difference between 230,000 and 19,000, not that 19,000 isn't a lot, but the difference was simply poverty. Not quite as long ago, if you'll remember in 2010, there was a huge earthquake that struck Haiti. 7.0 on the, on the Richter scale. Big earthquake hit Haiti in January 2010. It killed 223,000 people. That same year, earthquakes that were equally as forceful hit Chile and New Zealand. In Chile, only 500 people died. In New Zealand, none. 223,000 people in Haiti because of, of poverty. It, it multiplies these situations, and, and it seems to hit kids the hardest. Kids are affected at a level that, that is just unbelievable. Approximately 385 million children, that's 20% of the kids in the world, live in extreme poverty. 50% of the displaced people in the world are children. 50% of people who have been forced out of their homes by famine or war or conflict or disease, 50% of the people who have been forced out of their home are kids. It's estimated that worldwide there are 59 million school-aged kids that aren't attending school because there's either no education available for them or they have to go to work. Every day, 7,000 newborns die. Most of them are in developing countries. 45% of the deaths, about half of the deaths in kids under the age of five are linked to undernutrition. And this is the one that I, I can't get my head around. Every two minutes, a child dies of malaria, a preventable and treatable disease. We've got medication to prevent malaria. We've got medication to treat it if you get it. If you've ever been to a country where malaria is an issue, before you go, they're like, here's the pills you take and you'll be good. And if you happen to get it, here's some more pills you'll take and you'll be fine. And every two minutes, a child is dying because of malaria because there's no access or resources for the medication or for something as simple as a mosquito net to put around a bed at night. And then you throw on top of that the COVID-19 pandemic and that's amplified everything. The United Nations has estimated that that, that decades of progress in fighting poverty are going to be erased now. That uh, an additional 130 million people could face food insecurity now on top of what was already there. Uh, the need is huge. It is massive. And it can seem like it's another world away. It's an entire different reality. And the truth is, it kind of is. It is another world away. It is a different reality. It, it's a different world than we live in. But do you know the only difference between our children and those kids, the only difference between our grandchildren and those kids, the only difference between our nieces, our nephews and those kids, the only difference between us and those kids is where we happen to be born. We didn't control that. We didn't, we didn't deserve that. We, we didn't somehow say, look, I'm, 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 I have what I have because I, I completely worked for it. I mean, there, yeah, we work for things, but I happen to be born here and they were born somewhere else. The need is, is huge and we have the opportunity to do something about it. The need is great, but more, more pressing, more important, more impactful maybe than the need being great is the reason that we're doing this is because the call is ours. As the church, as, as the people of Jesus, the call to, to step into this, this area and step into this need, it belongs to 
the church, the call to care for the poor, the hurting, the vulnerable, children, orphans, widows, prisoners, the, ho- the homeless, refugees, kids forced into prostitution, kids forced into child labor, those who are abused, those who are exploited, those who have no power to speak for themselves, the, 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 the group that is called more than anybody else to speak for them and do something and to stand up and to love and care and fight for them and carry their burdens, it's the church. And it's not just, you know, it's not just some church over there where the problem is because there is only one church. There is only, there's only one body of Jesus. We are, we are the church just like the people in those countries are the church and the church has been called to do something about it, to work as a body to make a difference. The call is ours, and it's not something that we just do, and it's, it's not something that, that we, we, we just say, okay, I checked that box off, but it's actually core to who we are. I want to look at a passage of, of Scripture this morning um, that, that kind of points to this idea this, that this is baked into the identity of a follower of Jesus. And so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 25. If you've got a Bible, you can turn there, um, or we're going to have it up on our screens as well. Matthew chapter 25, we're going to pick up in verse 31, and, and this is sometimes uh, like... Uh, preached or taught or read is simply just like a passage about like judgment and the end of the world and it's kind of that uh, but normally not in the way that we think about it but more than that it speaks to the identity of who we are as followers of Jesus so Matthew chapter 25 starting in verse 31 Jesus is, is uh, teaching he says this he says when the son of man um, that, that was his favorite title to use for himself the way he would refer to himself most often was the son of man uh, comes out of the, the book of Daniel but he says when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him and so Jesus is teaching and he's looking forward to this time that we might call okay it's like it's the second coming it's the end of the age when Jesus returns and he fully establishes the kingdom of God on earth um, when when new creation arrives uh, and, and he's talking about this moment and, you know as Christians we live in this weird like in between time like we believe um, and proclaim that when Jesus came the first time his life his death his resurrection he ushered in the kingdom of God and it is a present reality it is here and it is now uh, but at the same time, uh, there, there's times when that's not always evident. Uh, at the same time, while the kingdom of God is here, there's these competing kingdoms of the world of, of violence and power and oppression and evil and bloodshed. And so there's like these multiple kingdoms, but the kingdom of God is a reality, but we look forward to the day when it's just the kingdom of God, when, when evil and, and bloodshed and violence are done away with, and it's just the kingdom of God fully established here on earth. That's what Jesus is referring to. He's like, yeah, when, when I come, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and, and, he, and he's setting up the kingdom. He's sitting on his throne, and all of the nations are coming and saying, yep, you're the king, we're not. We're here to, to serve and to worship the king. And he says when, when that happens, he's like, he will separate the, the king, talking about himself, he'll separate the people, one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Uh, now, Jesus is talking to a culture and a people that are very familiar with shepherding. He would have shepherds in his, in his crowd. He would have been, some of them, he's like, well, I'm not a shepherd, but my cousin is, my brother is. I mean, shepherding was a thing everywhere. And so this is an illustration that his crowd's tracking right along with. I'm like, okay, yeah, a shepherd, there, there's a difference. This is the idea. There's a difference between sheep and goats. I mean, you don't have to be a shepherd to understand that. I think we could all, if we, someone showed us two pictures, one of a sheep, one of a goat, we wouldn't be like, hmm. I don't know. No, it's like there, there's an obvious difference between a sheep and a goat. Um, and, and so that's, that's what he's getting at. He's not, Jesus isn't defining who's a sheep or who's a goat. 
He's not there going, okay, I've just got a whole bunch of animals here, and I've decided, uh, you're a sheep, you're a goat, you're a sheep, you over here, you over here. He's just making this observation as it's obvious that there's a difference between sheep and goats, and shepherds are like, okay, we'll split them apart. That, that he's going to talk about people, and there's something about a specific group of people uh, that's clear. It's clearly defined. It's easy to see, just like the difference between sheep and goats is easy to see. And so he's, he's going to put people on his right and left, like a, a shepherd does with sheep and goats. And then the king, the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom, prepared for you since the creation of the world. And so to one group, he says, okay, like, come and take your inheritance. Come and inherit the kingdom. And it's the kingdom that has been uh, established, it was prepared since the creation of the world. Jesus is pointing to this reality that the kingdom of God here on earth was always the original intention. From the very beginning, God's design and intent was to, to have his kingdom here on earth and for us to be there with him. This idea of it was a divine and human partnership. It's the kingdom of God. God is the king, but he invites human beings to be his image bearers, to rule and to reign, to partner with him in ruling and reigning and representing him to the rest of the world. So what's that, that's a, that human calling of being made in the image of God. And so he says all the way at the beginning, from the beginning of creation, this was the intent. It was the kingdom of God here and now and people partnering with God to rule and to reign. And that's where the story is, is going. So Jesus came to, to bring about and that's where when the story ends, we turn to the book of Revelation, that's where things end. It's with the kingdom here and now. And so he says, hey, you, those of you, who inherits the kingdom? Well, the kingdom people. Those of you who are citizens of this kingdom, step into your inheritance, but people don't just become kingdom people when they die. This isn't a picture of like Jesus or St. Peter or whoever is like outside of heaven saying like, as like a bouncer, just be like, nope, you're in, you're not, you're a kingdom person, you're not. It's that we're not just kingdom people someday when we die. The idea is if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a kingdom person right now. Like in, in this reality today, in the here and now, you're a kingdom person in what we might call eternity is just a trajectory of the path we're already on. If we're kingdom people now, well, we'll be kingdom people then. And if we're not kingdom people now, we won't be people of the kingdom then. It's this trajectory that we're on. And he says, look, and, it, and it's easy to see. I can see, oh, you're a sheep, you're a goat. You were, you know, you were one of my kingdom people. You're one of my subjects, and you over here, you're not. It's just this sorting out of what is obvious. And then he defines what kingdom people look like. Like what is the thing that makes a sheep look like a sheep and a goat look like a goat, a kingdom person look like a kingdom person and someone who's not a kingdom person not look like a kingdom person. And, and he, he gives that to us in the next verse. He says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you, did, and, you, and you came to visit me. And then the righteous, the kingdom people, the sheep in this illustration, the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? And when do we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Notice kind of like the heart of the, of the kingdom people, the righteous people, there, there's a humility there. There's like, a, oh, when did we ever do that? 
We didn't realize we were doing that. And there's also, there's almost like an unknowingness of like, we weren't even thinking about doing that. Wait, wait, we did those things? We didn't know we did those things. Because the idea is, as a kingdom person, you don't think about doing it. It's not something on a checklist. It's like, oh, this is just who I am. It's just second nature to me. This stuff just comes out of me. And so they're like, oh, when did we see that happening? When did we do that? And then Jesus replies, the king will reply. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Whatever you did for, you know, the people like the, the poor that were hurting, that were oppressed, that were, that were outcasts, you know, the people that were, were hungry and thirsty and sick and in prison and needing clothes, whatever you did for the least of these, you were actually doing it for me. You see, the, the calling of a person who's a, a citizen of a kingdom the calling of a person of a citizen of a kingdom is to serve that kingdom's king. Like that, that's what citizens of a kingdom do. We're here to serve the king, to honor the king, to, to, to you know, work for the king, to, to advance the, the, the king's agenda. Like We are here to serve the king. That's the calling of the subjects of any kingdom. But Jesus' kingdom is so upside down. He says, yeah, that's still, that's still the calling. You're part of my kingdom. Like I am the king, Jesus would say, and, and you, you're serving me, but in my kingdom, the way that you serve me is actually by, by serving the most hurting and broken people in society. It's by loving and serving the least of these. It's a completely different way of, of operating in the world than what the kingdoms of the world, because we look around and we see how the kingdoms of the world work and how, what those kings and kingdoms demand. It's like, we don't care about the least of these in the kingdoms of the world. Uh, they're, they're, they're a scourge, they're, they're a cancer, they're a plague on our kingdom. Can't we just get rid of them? We don't need them here. Our kingdom would be better if they weren't here. And Jesus says, that is, that is, that is completely opposite in my kingdom. In my kingdom, if you want to serve me, your king, go and love those that are considered the least of these, the hurting, the broken, the poor. And then he juxtaposes that kind of position against the opposite. Like he gives us the, the, the dark side, the negative side of this illustration. It says, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. It's intense, right? It's intense. And he says, well, here, here's why, like I, I can tell that you're not a kingdom person and, and here's why. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. And they will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And so they're like, wait, 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 wait. We, 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 we serve you, we, like, when, when, we're serving you, we're all about you. And he's like, ah, but did you really? And you see, you weren't really serving me because... To serve me, you serve the least of these. And he will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. And then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. There's this, this picture, again, of, of the kingdom when it comes and its full reality, when new creation is here at the end of the age, when Jesus returns to reign forever and ever. The picture is that new kingdom and new creation, uh, when, we, when we look all the way to the end, we look in the book of Revelation, and it's pictured as a city now, like the city uh, of God. The city comes down, and God dwells in his creation once again, and it's a city, and every nation comes to the city. And there's beauty and life and the goodness of God is just flowing out of the city. That's what it means to be entered into the kingdom. But then 
hell or punishment or whatever, however we want to talk about that. That's a whole can of worms. Maybe we can talk about that sometime. But the picture that's given is that just exists outside of the kingdom. It's just, if the city is, represents us, that's where God's goodness and his rule and his reign and his love and the beauty just flows out of the kingdom, those that didn't want to be a part of the kingdom just exist outside of the goodness and the love and the mercy. And it's just void of any of God's goodness. It exists outside the city. But what's important to, to, to realize, the idea is the sheep and the goats, the righteous, the unrighteous, it's not a surprise twist at the end. It's not like, a, hmm, you're here, you're there, you're here. It's just a trajectory that we're already on. That, that for those who are kingdom people now and say, yep, I want to be a part of the kingdom, well, step into the kingdom for eternity. Those, hey, I don't want to be part of the kingdom now, okay, well, you don't have to be part of the kingdom now. Like, God's not going to force that on you. But it's, it's a continuation of the trajectory that we are on. This idea that the kingdom coming is a future hope. Yes, absolutely. Amen. We look forward to the day when the kingdom of God is fully here, when there isn't the competition of the kingdoms of the world, warring and raging and violence and oppression. We look forward so much to that day, and we have such hope in that day when the kingdom comes in the future. But while it's a present, a a future hope, it's also a present reality. It's here it's now, like right now, we, in the here and now, we, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Not someday when you die, but right now. In this moment, and every day forward, we are kingdom people. That when we put our faith in Jesus, we're welcomed into his kingdom in the here and now, which means we look like kingdom people in the here and now. They're right here, right now. What what, what does my life look like? My life looks like the rule and the reign, the goodness and the love and the justice of God. That's what my life looks like in the here and now. And what do kingdom people look like? Well, Jesus says, here's what kingdom people look like. It's care and love for the least of these. It's looking out for those who can't look out for themselves. And and don't miss this. This idea that, that Jesus is getting at, again, it's back to the sheep and goats. It's clear. You can see this is a sheep, this is a goat. It's a kingdom person. It's not a kingdom person. It's core to our identity. It's not something we have to like try to be or something that we have to check off. It's like, no, this is just who I am. That, that we, don't, uh, we don't care for the least of these because we have to. We don't even do it because we want to. It, it's like, I don't have a choice. This is just who I am. Like when, when Jesus looks at you and says, hey, you're my son. You're my daughter. You put your faith in me. Like you are part of my kingdom. This is part of your identity too. You love people. You love the least of these. That's who you are. It's who we are. We love the, the poor, the orphan, the foreigner, the widow. It's core to who we are. One of the things I love about Compassion International and what they do is like that is the heartbeat. It's, it's care for the, for the least of these. We have an opportunity this morning as a church um, to do that, to live into our identity, to live into who we say we are, to live into who Jesus says we are. He says, this is who you are. Again, you're my son, my daughter. You're, you're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. We get the opportunity to say, yes, I am, so I'm going to live like it. We've got an opportunity to, to do that today to, to, by partnering with Compassion International and sponsoring a child. And I don't say this um, as like an over-exaggeration, as just something to say like, oh, yeah, you know, you're going to change someone's life. But literally, if you just decide to sponsor a child today, whether it's a, a, through a packet in the back or you do it online through one of our links, you are literally going to change someone's life forever. Like there is a real uh, living, breathing human being on the other side of the decision that you're making and you will be changing their life forever. From this day forward, from the minute that you say yes, 
their life will be changed forever. Physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, they are going to be put in a position to thrive as children of God. We have an opportunity to do that. And yes, the need is great. The call is ours. I mean, the need is great. It's massive. And it can be so easy to say, man, Phil, you talked about all those, all those statistics and how bad poverty is. And what can I possibly do? I can't change the world. Nope, you can't. And it may be cliche to say, but I want to say it anyway. You can't change the world, but you can change someone's world. You might, may not be able to change the world, but for one person, you will be able to change their world forever. We have an opportunity to, be, to, to, to bring that, to be those kind of people, to bring the love of Jesus into the lives of, of people who need it, and to be tangibly the hands and feet of Jesus as we partner up with Compassion International. And so the need is great. The need is great, but the call is ours. God wants us to help other kids so we can make a difference so that people in other countries have exactly all that we, they need. This is our story of sponsoring a child with compassion. So let's start off with compassion. Compassion is a thing that helps other kids develop and get what they need and stuff. And the Bible is pretty clear that generosity is not about how much you have, it's about what you do with what you have. I remember our pastor at our church sharing about how if you don't have to walk to work every day and you have a car, like you are like one of the wealthiest people in the world. That perspective made me realize how much I really have. And I realized that it was really important that we start being generous. You know, we wanted to sponsor a child, and so we looked with Evie and picked out a, a child whose birthday was, was kind of close to hers, so they were around the same age, and, and it was a girl also, and her name is Marabella, and she's from the Philippines. Um, Marabella is six. She likes singing. She also likes drawing, I think. Understanding the concept of poverty isn't personal until you put a face to it. And compassion put a face to poverty and a child's name to poverty. And um, it became this huge concept that's just out there somewhere and gave us an actual person to impact. So they, so Mirabella's year was like they had hurricanes. Hurricanes over there, typhoons over there. And maybe I want to help them because when I think about things that I didn't really like or times where it was hard. I think about poverty and how hard poverty would be. And I, and I thought, I wonder how these people feel. I was in the kitchen and Evie woke up and came in the kitchen and she, she literally walked out of her bedroom with this idea pretty much fully formed to the degree that she shared with me, Dad, I had this idea that um, I, could, I could draw pictures, me and my friends could draw pictures and then people could buy the pictures for a dollar and then we could send that money to people who are poor. I hoped that it would make a difference that I'd make enough art to raise $500. You know, she came out of her bedroom thinking about someone else, which is huge for a child to do, and then thinking, what do I have? What, what ability, what assets do I have that I can use to make a difference? So, you know, we thought that getting involved with Compassion, sponsoring a child, we were going to be making a difference. And what we found is that through, through that, Compassion has given us 
um, a story and this purpose. Well, God wants us to do our gifts because he wants to make the world a better place and a better place for other people. Um, we don't consider ourselves as having very much, but um, because we had this uh, priority, both of, of the type of family we wanted to be, the type of people we wanted to be as followers of Jesus, as parents, um, Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's gonna be. And so um, you have to move your treasure around to put your heart in the right place. As people are thinking about whether to sponsor a child, I want to tell everybody, like, do it. Like, it's gonna change your life. Like, you need to do it. So the blue is the sad kid because he doesn't have enough of what he needs. They need food, water, and medical service, and shelter. And the yellow is the happy kid because he has enough of what he needs and he's been sponsored. We can all show kids the love of Jesus. Sponsor a child and make a difference.